This episode is brought to you by Cash Rewards. I had no idea I was lost and I thought I don't fit anything. I never fit into groups at school either. I was always like an outcast and I felt weird. But now this is where I'm meant to be and it's such an amazing feeling. And if I could tell myself back then anything, I would say, hold on, like just keep going because you're going to realise that you're going to be where you're meant to be, but you just don't know it yet. You're just going to keep keep going, keep working at it. People think if you're passionate about something and you make a, a job or a career around it, that you never work a day in your life. I think it's bullshit. You work every day of your life, <laughs> but you, you still enjoy it. And it's the passion for it and the results that you're getting by reaching these people or whatever it is that you're doing. That's what pulls you through. And that's why you've got to focus on why you're doing this. Why did you start doing this? Why do you want to keep doing it? Mm. And then work your ass off. (laughs) Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Well, it's our second episode back and the first one I recorded for this year. And I can already say, like I've said many times before, that making this show has helped me so much immensely that if none of you listened, it'd still be so worthwhile. And that's something I found so liberating about podcasting, not being as visibly measured as social media. You just make the content that you find really valuable and the engagement is a bonus rather than reverse engineering what you think will go well, which of course can be tempting to do. Except for our guest this week, who is one of my favourite people on the internet because she resists that temptation, mine and the favourite of 14 million other people in her community, and for very good reason. If you didn't look further into it, and perhaps because of the way the landscape has evolved since she started out, back on Blogspot in 2011, mind you, you might assume Emily Skye's great success was overnight or accidental, but you would be terribly mistaken. Purely from the way she has navigated her her still ongoing postpartum journey with her second child, but also in the way she approaches everything she does. Her refreshing approach to authenticity, balance and strength stands out from the rest and has just been channeled into a brand new postpartum program that you'll hear all about in the episode. And diving a little deeper into her story reveals the decades of challenge, grit and hard work that has led her to where she is now. I was so fascinated by how much I hadn't heard even after viciously scouring the internet from her younger years growing up in commission housing and severe bullying at school to the arsenal of skills and qualifications she has across makeup, hair, photography, editing and everything she uses in her business today. And she laughed about how often she shares those earlier times but how only the glossy lady years seem to stick. So I thoroughly enjoyed hearing more about her resourcefulness, endearing self-awareness and delightful self-confessed weirdness. You can tell why we get along. She also happens to be the co-founder of James Cosmetics, my favorite ever eye masks among the many amazing things she has going on. I hope you enjoy getting to know her as much as I did. Lovely Emily, welcome to CZA. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This is my first recording of the show in over a month, so I kind of feel like I've forgotten how to do it. (laughs) You kind of forget how to talk when you've been in isolation because I know you guys have been for a long time and you go out into the world and you're like, I've got to communicate now with people in real life. (laughs) I know. I even put on makeup for you this morning because we were recording video and I was like, how do I even put this on my face? (laughs) Well, I did it for you as well, so I made a bit of an effort. Oh, you look beautiful. Look at that. Thank you. You're beautiful too. <laughs> it's just like a first day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like speed dating sitting across from each other. <laughs> I've actually always wanted to set up a speed dating event, but that one that was for networking, like for friendships or like, yep. you know, I call the CZA community the neighborhood, so like a neighborhood event. I've always wanted to just do it and, you know, get people to meet new people who they've got no history or background with. Yeah, that would be so much fun. Let me know if you do. 
<laughs> I absolutely will. Yeah. <laughs> so before we kick off, I start every episode with a little icebreaker asking everyone what the most down to earth thing is about them, particularly for people like yourself who have an incredibly large audience of millions of people and so much success and titles and achievements. It can sometimes look really glossy on the outside, but you know, we all have something that we think makes us really relatable and normal. So what would yours be? Yeah, well, if you have a look at my social media for years now, I've always tried to show it how it is and not hide anything or hold back and just be myself and show things that, you know, like stretch marks and cellulite and bloated belly. And when I was pregnant, my pregnancy body and postpartum, so all that, that sort of stuff, I show everything and that's what I'm known for and have been known for for many years now. But I think the the main thing and the, probably the most prominent thing that I'm very real about is my postpartum body and the journey getting back in shape. People assume being in the fitness industry that you sort of just bounce back and you know what you're doing and it's all easy. I've never worked harder in my life and I've <laughs> I've documented every stage. I have not left anything out. I've shown my body straight after giving birth, my stomach and, and spoken about everything that I went through and then the journey getting there. I'm not into putting a before photo and then skipping the whole middle part and then putting the end and saying, here's before and after and this is those hard work, but you guys didn't see it. Mm. I'm showing all the hard work and everything on my way there and, and things that I probably would have previously been embarrassed to show. I'm just yeah. out there now just showing it all. <laughs> That's probably the main thing. <laughs> I absolutely love that about you. And I think it's really turned a lot of heads because that hasn't traditionally been, you know, we, we haven't always necessarily been as comfortable with showing the more vulnerable parts of ourselves. And I think there has been a big shift yeah. from how we might have started using these platforms to now how we want to use them and what we want to see. You know, we all want to see you go through challenging times and sharing your vulnerability and they want to know that postpartum, the postpartum experience is different for everyone and people in fitness don't just bounce back straight away. And I think you've really made a name for yourself through this most recent pregnancy. I mean, sharing the photo of giving birth on the on the lounge room floor. <laughs> I mean, you want real, there it is, bearing all. <laughs> I saw it. I just thought, what an actual legend. This is amazing. <laughs> and so lovely that you do have such an incredible audience that you don't feel pressured to not show the real stuff. And if anything, yeah. you know, you do give them so much more by showing like yeah. my baby accidentally came out in my house and this is what it looked like and it was really messy but I'm embracing it yeah I actually feel more comfortable being real and vulnerable and exposing everything and even being without makeup all those things I feel more comfortable being like that if I was to get really done up and do a really posed photo which is nothing wrong with by the way mm. I actually feel more uncomfortable posting that I don't know what the reason is I just I love just stripping it all back and just going here I am you know take it or leave it yeah I love that I'm very similar and I think it 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 all just depends on the way you choose to use social media and the way you choose to interact yeah. with it. And if you do start from that base, it's actually, it's harder for me to do serious face posts. And, you know, they all turn out so bad because I don't know how to do anything other than cheesy smiles. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wanna, if I take a serious fashion shot, like it never makes the feed because I'm like, whoa, they're so ugly. <laughs> oh, I love your feed. Oh. I love everything. I was having a stalk earlier. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I really love doing, as we discussed just quickly, you know, before we started recording, is taking everyone back through all the chapters of your life and particularly the ones that don't get hashed over as often, like back in childhood, because I think we forget that everyone started from somewhere. Mm. Everyone had a childhood without knowing what their purpose would be. And yeah. we've all been through so many chapters that just, you know, obviously it doesn't make sense to talk about about them all day, every day. But I like to go through your way, TA, and remind everyone that there were times where you didn't know who you were and you, where you weren't as comfortable with sharing what you do and how much you do. And yeah. it took a lot of different iterations of yourself to get to where you are. So yeah. <laughs> let's start with your childhood. Tell us about young Emily. I know you were actually quite insecure as a child, which I found really interesting. So yes. talk us through that. Yeah. So it, um, I guess to sh cut it short, because I can go on forever. I've, you know, everyone, I've been around the on the earth for a long time now, being thirty six, many years. I'm getting old, but um, <laughs> when I was young, I was, as you're saying, very shy, insecure with myself, um, had no self worth at all. I was probably the most shy person you could you could ever meet. When I was at school, if I was asked to talk in front of the school, like say 
in even just the class, if you had to get up and read or whatever, I would panic and I'd actually have ringing in my ears, clammy hands, I'd be shaking. I was so bad. Wow. So my biggest fear ended up being talking to crowds and on TV, which I've actually done many times now and I've overcome, which is an amazing feeling. But I was just what you wouldn't think I would be. Like looking at me now, you would never think that I would be like that. And then I got into my teen years and I I was extremely insecure. I um, had no confidence at all. I had a terrible body image um, relationship with my body. I just I hated myself. I wasn't happy. I went through depression, anxiety, pretty much everything you could go through. I went through all the mental you know issues and it took many years to sort of overcome and I still have to stay on top of it now. But I had a sort of a wake up call when I was, I think I was about 18 or 19. I attempted to end my life and um, I took a lot of tablets Mm. and I got really sick and I just couldn't, couldn't cope anymore. I just wanted a way out. And I remember sinking through the bed. I was lying in bed and I felt that feeling of sinking. And then I thought this is, it's all over now. Like, thank God I'm out of here sort of thing. And then um, I woke up and it was like, oh, I went, <gasps> and then I went, I, no, what have I done? And I couldn't walk. So I crawled out and I didn't want to wake my mum and my sister because we we're in a small house. It was just my mum because my mum and dad split up when I was really young. And I crawled out to the laundry and made it out there and just vomit my, vomited my guts up. And I remember going, I'm, I'm sorry, like, what have I done and help? And I was like, saying, God, help me. Like, I just... I, I realised that I'd made a mistake and that I was worth living. I don't know what happened, but something happened and I went, no, I've made a mistake here and I got out of it. I, I sort of recovered and thank God I, you know, didn't didn't work. Mm. Then years went on when I was still really negative and still really down about myself and, and insecure and depressed and I had many boyfriends who were abusive and all these other things that were happening. I was, I was um, bullied at school. So there's a lot of different things that contributed to, to the way I was feeling. But it was about when I was, I think, 24, 23, 24, I was still unhappy and I thought, I can't imagine living my life like this for the rest of my life. I need to make a change here because I always thought that someone would come along and they'd save me. So I was sort of waiting for that person to to do it for me and then I realised it was up to me. I don't know how I realised it. I just thought, no, I've got to do this and I've got to take control and be responsible for my life and and for my happiness. So that's when I started doing – I started getting into fitness. I started exercising, moving my body, eating healthy foods that nourished my body. I removed people from my life who were negative and bringing me down, which is not easy to do. It was really hard and it was painful to do, but I did it. It was probably one of the best things I'd ever done. And then I started surrounding myself with more positive people who wanted to see me happy and succeeding and doing well. Then I, I was still into fitness then, I even more so. I started feeling amazing. I started lifting weights. I, I wanted to get really strong because I was really skinny before. Not that anything's wrong with being skinny, but I was like a twig and I, d- I wanted to be <laughs> strong. I wanted to have muscle. Yeah. So I started lifting muscle and uh, – muscle. I started lifting muscle. I started lifting <laughs> weights and got muscle. <laughs> Dem games. And then I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I felt powerful and I felt like superwoman or something. And I just became obsessed with that feeling. And I thought, oh, I've got to spread this to the world. And we're going back like how many years? 12, 13 years, a while now. And um, it wasn't a thing. Like women barely ever went to the gym and lifted weights. They were on the cardio machines. That was pretty much it. Yeah. So I was like abnormal back then. And people were still saying things to me like, oh, you're looking too manly or you're taking it too far. And I don't want to lift weights because it's bulky. It bulks me up. And I just, I thought, no, I've got to educate these women because lifting weights is amazing. You're going to feel amazing. It's not just how you look. It's how you feel and you feel powerful and it translates into other areas of your life. And I finally believed in myself. And and then um, years went on and I was modelling as well. So I don't know why, but I thought <laughs> if I model, I'll have more confidence in myself. And it did the it did the opposite. It it made it worse. The comparison thing, competing with everyone else and rejection as well, which I struggled with big time was not good for me. So I said goodbye to that sort of that modeling and then went into fitness modeling. And um, I don't know if you can call it modeling, but just basically chose my health and fitness over all of that other stuff. And um, then I thought I've got to make it my mission to spread everything that I can to the world, <laughs> or everything that I've learned along my journey and somehow have a positive impact. No matter how big or small it is, I need to have a positive impact, impact on people. And here I am 
how many years later, still doing it and still loving it. So I tried to cut that kind of short, but I do talk a lot. So sorry about that. No, <laughs> no, it's so interesting. I absolutely love that. And, you know, I do so much research on our guests before they come on, and particularly to uncover the stuff that isn't as readily available about their story. And there's hardly anything about that initial phase of your life, which is so formative and explains so much more of why you're motivated to do what you do now. Yeah. And I think people really underestimate people who are successful and assume it's been a smooth sailing ride. And I don't think I'd even read once, even after scouring the internet, that you'd had a suicide attempt. And these are the things that in someone else's journey, hearing Mm -hmm. that you were able to get through that and take control of your life and make good choices that, you know, led to a really fulfilling and exciting life, this conversation and you sharing that could be the thing that helps them make a turn. Yeah. So I don't get sometimes why we skate over all of the earlier times in people's lives and go straight to the glossy, you know? Yeah. It's so exponentially more impressive where you've gotten to now, knowing that's where you came from and that's what you had to get through to get to where you are now. And everyone's got a story and everyone who's successful, like you're saying, there's been a reason why they are where they are now. And there's there's a whole history there that, like you're saying, that people miss. And I have told the story many times, but it just doesn't seem to be as prominent. I think people love the gloss. They they think they want to see real and I've had this conversation Mm. before with people but they think they want to see the real stuff but when you put the perfect stuff out there for some reason they love it like the end result the the pose things the the polish the the feeds that are all curated people seem to love that stuff not not that they don't love the real stuff too but it's it's just an odd one they think they want to see it but at the end of the day they want to see something they can aspire to that may be unrealistic Mm. and I think trying to be like anyone else is unrealistic anyway but they love the idea of the the romance or the the glamour or you know what I mean. I don't know if yeah. it's coming across what I'm trying to explain, but no. they love that idea of it. No, it is, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's so important. And I love showing the end result and you know building up the story to show where you've gone because that is what is really aspirational and it does show that you can build an incredible audience without yeah. you know being born into money or knowing someone who was a trainer or having a shoe in the door. You can totally do that and I think it's so beautiful to show that people also pigeonhole themselves very early in life so if they have really low self-esteem or insecure as a child and Mm -hmm. don't like public speaking they might look at what you do now and go oh well I could never do that but yeah I love that you were that person and you went I actually don't want to be like that. So I'm going to train myself out of those things. You know, I read this quote the other day that was something like, you don't have to have a great past to have a great future. And I think often we believe it's too late for us. Like, you know, I've already gone too far. I'm already stuck in my ways, but it's never too late. late. You always have a choice. And you can do anything. And you know what? It takes a lot of time too. So I don't want people to be deterred from it because they realize that it takes a lot of time and effort and you've got to be consistent. And that's with everything. If you want to get a fit body and you want to feel good, you've got to train many times. You've got to be consistent with your training and your your healthy eating. If you want to have a healthy um, mind and relationship with your your body, you've got to train yourself to be that way and be consistent with it. But Mm. everything takes consistent effort, deliberate effort. So you're not going to get results overnight. It's like um, with my mental health, It took years to get to where I am now and I've got to stay on top of it and practice it. It doesn't mean I don't go back to feeling shitty or getting those sort of depressed feelings, but I I know I'm aware now and I know how to get myself out of there Yeah, and stay on top of it. Yeah, that's so important. So when you were, you know, back in the high school days of when you were going through a lot personally, did your plan for the future come up? Like, did you have an idea of what you wanted to be and and what career and success looked like? Or were you just so busy dealing with everything that you were just getting through? Like, I I think it was Greenpoint High School. And, you know, what were your aspirations for life? Well, I went to a few different high schools because I was bullied. So I kept getting moved. And then my mum actually put me in this, um, it's called Greenpoint Christian College. And she actually worked there. So She was a single mum and we lived in, um, I don't know if people are familiar with this, but housing commission. So we didn't really have much. And my mum worked at the school for free so she could pay for my sister and my schooling so that we didn't have to put up with the bullies, which Mm -hmm. was amazing of her to do. And um, there was, I remember distinctly um, being in in the library at school and we were doing these, it was kind of like a quiz or something like that to find out what you would like to be when you're older and sort of what 
which direction you should go in. And everything I was looking at, I was going, no, I don't like any of this. It was all traditional stuff, like not that there's anything wrong with it, but nine to five or office jobs. And, and I thought, no, I don't want to, I hate being restricted. I'm so free and I need to be flexible. And I, I can't handle being told exactly what to do when and being restricted by hours. It's not the way I work. So I just thought I'm going to be lost. Like, I don't know what to do. I love being creative. I love art, photography. I also loved modeling. I like, I actually liked creating photos that were beautiful photos and, and trying on the clothes and doing all that sort of stuff. And I loved music because I played the violin for many years as well. And, oh, wow. and I like psychology. And <laughs> there were so many things that I loved, but I, I thought none of this really fits. Like I don't really fit any of it. So I thought, all right, I don't, I don't know. I'll go and study arts. So I did art. And then I went and did actually studied fitness when I was 18 or 19. And then I did beauty therapy because I love beauty as well. So I did multiple, like all these different things, but it was always something that was kind of creative or to do with fitness. And then um, it all makes sense now because now I'm using everything that I sort of used back then, even though it was sort of little pieces, like fragments, now it all Mm. comes together and it makes sense. So I can take photos, I can edit, I can, I used to make my own website. I used to design things. Like I've, I've done everything myself. I even take my own photos. Do you? Because of that. Yeah, well, most of oh them. Oh my gosh! Aaron, Aaron might, <laughs> but yeah, most of them I set up on a on a timer because I used to do photography too, and I used to take photos of people and do the hair and makeup and editing and everything. I had an agency, a modelling agency and talent agency years ago, so I sort of dabbled in everything. But all of that taught me something that I use now, which I think is so amazing. And I think, wow, like isn't it incredible? If I go back to being a, a kid. I had no idea. I was lost and I thought I don't fit anything. I never fit into groups at school either. I was always like an outcast and I felt weird. Mm. But now this is where I'm meant to be and it's such an amazing feeling. And if I could tell myself back then anything, I would say hold on, like just keep going because you're going to realise that you're going to be where you're meant to be but you just don't know it yet. You're just going to keep keep going, keep working at it. It's just it's, it's a mind, it's mind-blowing to me. And people that went to school with me are like, what? Like ones that I've, not that I ran, in, ran into them much, but they're like, what? You, Emily's done this? I used to skip school and I had 90 something days off a year. Whoa. One of the years it was 90 something days off because I hated it. I was bullied. I just didn't, I didn't like it. I just, it wasn't for me. Oh my And yet gosh. I still went on to do, you know, what I was meant to do. This makes me so... But stay in school. (laughs) Stay in school. Stay in school, guys. Sister discomfort. (laughs) But this is why, I mean, that exact thing is why I'm so passionate about this kind of storytelling and what this show is all about, to remind Mm. everyone to just hold on because you're not actually meant to know what all those ingredients mean right away. You're just not supposed to. And it's funny that you called it lots of fragments. In every single episode, I repeatedly say that your yay is like a jigsaw puzzle and yeah. every single thing you do either gives you new pieces or gets you to throw out old pieces that aren't yours That's amazing. anymore. So it's just like, I'm like, oh my God, she speaks my <laughs> language. But yeah, it does, it does sort of all make sense and we don't need to have all the answers right now. You sort of have to go, I'm going to give this up and just go put it out to the universe and obviously still work hard towards something, but, but don't have to like be tied to having to know everything, yes. you know, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and tomorrow's not guaranteed. Absolutely. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Absolutely. And I think that's relevant now. It's not just from childhood to school to your first career. It's in every new chapter. We're all expected to go through so many different chapters in our life because it moves so fast these days. Mm-hmm. So you're probably going to have this feeling of uncertainty and then refinding yourself multiple times. And that's totally fine. Yeah. So take us back to the start of what would be sort of the now chapter. And I loved going back to read that you started on Blogspot in 2011. Yeah. You know, do you even, what do even you know what that, that? is? <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> and again, this is the bit that most people forget. They see you now and don't remember that you started 10 years ago on a platform that barely exists anymore. So yeah. what were your plans then? What were your wildest dreams? Where did you think it would go? And what's each new version since then been like? I think a pivotal moment for me was when I started exercising, eating healthy and, and making changes with my, my mental health and, and practicing gratitude and changing, having perspective and realizing that I have it good. All these things that I changed, that was when I went, 
yeah, I need to do something in this and and moving your body and nourishing your body with healthy food is the first step. And my programs are all about that as well as mental health. It's it's really holistic and it sort of touches on everything, which I think is so important. I've even got pregnancy programs, postnatal programs, everything now, but I want, I want it to be a place that has everything. And that's why I started it. That's why I became so passionate about doing what I do now and having programs for women and women and, and reaching as many people as possible because I want people to feel mm. as good as I do. And, and I don't mean I feel just on top of the world every single day. I have shitty days. But for the most part, I feel amazing. And back when I started sharing things, it was Blogspot in like two, 2010 <laughs> or something. So it was like 11 or something. So I don't know. I, I'm losing count. <laughs> but I started posting things. <laughs> yeah. I started posting things that I was doing and the training I was doing and what I was eating. And it was, if I look at it now, it's, it's terrible and unhealthy because I started competing and I was, you know, doing those comps where we're up on stage flexing and all those things. And it's far from healthy, but it sort of started, that's when I started my journey and I learned and I kept learning and I do keep learning now. I never give up. But um, it was weird back then because no one really knew, like, as I was saying before, no one really knew much about lifting weights and the benefits for women. So that's why I guess I realized that's, that's what I was getting to. I get so off track because I get excited. But the moment <laughs> <Me too. laughs> when, when I decided this is what I want to do and this is what I'm meant to do, that was it. It changed me. And it, it was my mental health. That was the main thing. I felt so much mm. better. And I thought, this is what I have to do. And I'm still passionate about it. And that's what I hold on to. Mm. And not that People think if you're passionate about something and you make a, a job or a career around it that you never work a day in your life. I think it's bullshit. You work every day of your life, <laughs> but you you still enjoy it and it's the passion for it and the results that you're getting by reaching these people or whatever it is that you're doing, that's what pulls you through and that's why you've got to focus on why you're doing this. Why did you start doing this? Why do you want to keep doing it? Mm. And then work your ass off. <laughs> totally, totally. It's, it's tough work. <laughs> and I love that, you know, you kept bringing it back to the why, like why are you doing this? And one yeah. thing I've learned recently is that, you know, the why, it stays consistent. It might change a little bit, but your why is what keeps you going. But the how is meant to change. So the blog spot that you started with was the how at the beginning. Yes. Whereas now it's a fully blown app. Yeah. It's got all these many different amazing programs. Everything. But something that, you know, I did a little survey at the end of the year and something people wanted to hear more about is, you know, we do often have people on the show who have incredibly big, successful businesses now, but I'm trying to remind them that you didn't start with that. The beginning no. was without any of that. So how do you start? What is the first, <sighs> you know, when it's not the app, what is the first how? You don't start like that, you know? No. All the businesses that we have around us and that we interact with, you know, if you tried to start what you have now, you would have been so overwhelmed that maybe yeah. you wouldn't have ever begun. So yeah. how did you go into each stage? When did you know it was going to be a program? And then would you, when did you decide, you know, I'll move into an app? How did all that infrastructure kind of logistically yeah. happen? I think a lot of people these days do it backwards and they go, yes. oh, I want to I wanna have a fitness app or whatever it is. And they go, okay, I'm going to work on creating the app. Well, who are you going to sell it to or who are you going to get to sign up? You need to have some some kind of database or, or a following. And even a following doesn't mean it's going to translate into sales. So totally. you need to know, you need to be first, you have an idea of what you want. Maybe that's the ultimate goal, but you've got to break it up. It's like fitness goals, break it up into smaller achievable goals that you can actually achieve along the way and celebrate each step that you you take. But the first step for me was creating a, um, I guess, followers and, and um, having engagement and people that, that trusted me. So I started sharing a lot about myself. I started sharing a lot of free things. So people think about making money straight away. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money and making money from passion, but you've got to give out a lot for free. You can't just expect people to just go and buy. So I used to do a workout video every single day. I reckon I've put out thousands of free workout videos and content for people so that they, there was no barrier to getting fit so that it didn't cost them a cent. And this is before I had even thought about an app really. I had a website and I had a PDF <laughs> that you download <laughs> with the program and, and then some videos you'd have to log on to the, the website and watch the videos, which is still really cool. And we're going back like how many years, seven years or something now. Um, so I, I built an audience and they seemed to like what I was about and what I was doing. And there was space, a huge space for fitness back then. It wasn't as competitive, anywhere near as competitive as it is now. It's very saturated. So it is a lot harder nowadays. I sort of started at the, at the right time, mm. but I, I built 
built that audience first and the trust first. Then I created the PDF on the website and then I started employing people and I made a lot of mistakes. I hired people who were and went into business with people who were terrible and did the wrong thing by me and were just awful people and went against everything that I'm about. But I learnt my lesson and I'll never make that same mistake again. So it's really a blessing in disguise. At the time it was horrible, but yeah. you know, you come out of it and you go, yeah, I'm glad that happened. Now I can see it from a mile away in other people. But you've got to then um, when you build your your team, you need to know that you can trust them and you don't always know. You've got to take risks. But have eyes on everything is is one thing that I always say to people. You've got to make sure that you're you what you're watching everything that everyone's doing and don't just assume they're doing what they say they're doing and don't assume that if they're qualified in whatever it is marketing or whatever that they actually will do good marketing for you so learn as much as you can about every part of the business do as much as as you can as possible at the start yourself mm. and then when you reach a point where you need to have those people and hire people then do so but always watch what they're doing and don't just sit back and and go oh yeah I don't need to know about this because the experts doing it you need to have knowledge and then keep researching. So especially social media, obviously I have, a, I have social media businesses, a couple of them, and um, it's always changing. As we all know, people barely ever see your posts anymore and trying to get engagement and, and growing is a lot harder these days. So you've got to make sure that you um, keep it engaging, keep your content engaging and keep getting attention. So there's one thing to to want to spread something to people that, that it is something that you think they'll get something good from and posting, you know, posting a photo of a, a flower or a tree and then writing something that's really meaningful, that's impactful. It's just not going to get the attention. You've got to have thumb stoppers. You've got to post things that will get people's attention and make sure that that they go, oh, what is this? And then they read or the first line is like a, a um, another thumb stopper and something that they go, what is this? You know, and they thumb keep reading. Stopper. And that <laughs> I like love you, that. Yeah. But you've got to think of these things and that if you want an online business, that's just what you've got to think of. It's not good enough just to have a good product and you think, oh, everyone could benefit from this and this product's amazing. How are you going to get people to to trust you and want and, and have an interest in it? So building up from, from see, I get off track, building up from the <laughs> PDF, then I started an app and it was a free app again because... I'm I'm actually not good at um, the whole money thing. I, it's, I've never been focused on it. <laughs> I'm exactly like, I've never, the same. <laughs> like it's good to have money, don't get me wrong, but I've never been driven by money. I think everything else is what drives me and, and how it impacts people. I actually didn't even know what my businesses were making day to day. My partner would look at that and I just didn't care. And I also didn't want to know because I don't want it to take me away from, from what I'm doing and, and the reason why I'm doing it. It just mm. sort of distracts me. So... Um, we started the free app and I wanted it to be free so that people, again, had no barriers to for entry to fitness. And um, it was daily workouts, so every day they'd get a free workout. And then it was costing so much, like I'm talking hundreds of thousands a month to, to keep it going, and it was just making no business sense. Like that's where I'm, I really struggle with it. So luckily I've got partners that know what they're doing with that sort of stuff and they're like, Em, you can't know, keep doing this sort of stuff. Like it makes no <laughs> sense at all. So um, then I started my app and I wanted it to be all song and dance. I wanted it to have everything. I wanted it to um, go from daily workouts, just the, the standard program um, to pregnancy, to post-pregnancy, to a, it's got Start Strong, which is a beginner's one. Then it's got um, abs to core challenges, booty challenge. It's got everything that you can imagine the postnatal one actually just came out yesterday. No, not yesterday. I launched it yet. I spoke about it yesterday, but it'll be out very soon and actually in the app. But we're just constantly adding new things. There's meditations, there's yoga. I don't even know what I'm allowed to say here, but there's, there's <laughs> yoga and like all oh, breath work. And there's so much in it that, again, is not just about the physical and getting fit, but it's about the mind as well. So um, at the moment as well, I don't know when this is going out, but we've got a, a free trial that's a, um, a month free trial on the app. If anyone's interested in trialling it out for nothing for the first month and seeing if you like it, there's so much in it. Obviously, it's got food as well, customisable meal plans that you can pick and choose what you want, shopping lists, and you can make it for the family and choose how many people you want to make it for. It's literally got everything, and I'm so proud of it because it's come a long way from the PDF. Um, <laughs> and that, that So the... 
The post-pregnancy program launches on Feb the 1st. I just had Lang write a little note to me because my brain's like, ooh, and I can't keep up. But Feb the 1st, yeah. Oh, my god! And it's really good. I will definitely include links in the show notes. I feel like there are a lot of people and a lot of CZA mums who will benefit. Oh, yeah. Also, I think this is really important. I actually filmed it when I was postnatal. So I was at the stage. It's got three stages, and I filmed it with my postpartum body. I didn't want to hide anything. I didn't want to you know, a year later be shredded, hopefully I'll be shredded, but with ads and, and then being and doing all this and then having these women, because I know what it feels like, having women look at me and go, oh, yeah. but I'm heavy and, you know, I'll never be like that. Because I had those same thoughts. I saw other people online that would yeah. literally walk out of the hospital after giving birth and they're in their skinny jeans. And I gained like 25 kilos both pregnancies and it was it's a lot for me. But yeah. you can't compare to those other people and look at that. So I didn't want any of that. I just wanted to be myself and show everything, show my stomach hanging out, showing the excess skin, everything. So it's all there. <laughs> yep. I love Not that. hiding anything. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. And it's not the first time, actually, that you've mentioned, you know, it's either just come up naturally or um, you've mentioned a couple of times that you're always growing. Like whenever you talk about, you know, I've improved from this to this, you're always talking about how you're learning and constantly yeah. evolving. And I love that. You know, this is what what is the best you can do right now? Like this program is something you're so proud of, but it's yeah. so far from where you came from. And you're not also ruling out that the next version might even be better than this. So, yeah. you know, you started with a PDF and it's always yeah. evolving. You're always researching. And I think people get very stagnant when they've taken a step out of the comfort zone and forget that your comfort zone catches up with you. And, yeah. you know, you do need to keep taking steps all the time and it, it's wonderful watching how you've come so far from from that PDF. Ooh. Do you still have it? I, I have to have a look, yeah. I actually put it together myself. I sat, I used to go to a coffee shop, my partner and <gasps> oh I. Oh, my God. Because I, I used to do all that stuff like the um, working with PSD and um, like Photoshop and, and all that stuff and I used to put it all together myself and, oh, my gosh, it, it would stuff up and I'd be like, ah, I'm going to smash this computer because <laughs> I get really like revved up. My partner's going to calm me down. But, um, yeah, I, I did a lot of it myself and that's what my point is. Like you've got to do a lot of it. What you can do yourself, do it. But when you reach a point where you realise, no, I've got to actually start employing people now who are better than me at doing this, then you do so. But don't don't just start off with everything and going crazy. You've got to work your way into yeah. it. Just like fitness, don't expect that next week you're going to have abs and, and a big booty or whatever it is that people want. Yeah. <laughs> it takes time and it's and you have to really want it and remind that's yeah. the, like what's your why? Why do you want it? Why do you want to keep training every day? Why do you want this business? Why are you working so hard? Mm. Because like you got to have your, your reason for it and remind yourself of that every single day. And I think yeah. that's why this program is really exciting because it is coming from what you were literally going through yourself at the time. Yeah. You were filming it during that exact phase. But, you know, I, I think it makes it so much more impactful and relatable because people who are in that exact phase can connect with you and yeah. and the video going, oh, she was literally going through that yeah. same thing. And I was struggling. <laughs> I was filming going, this is hard, <laughs> trying not to swear. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Just a quick word from this week's partner in Yay, who, wait for it, helps you get cash back when you shop online from over 1,500 of Australia's favourite stores. Could you be seizing any more yay than shopping up a storm at places like the Iconic, Maya, Amazon, Booking.com or even Menulog, but getting rewarded with cash for doing so? Or with Valentine's Day coming up, what a perfect excuse to treat yourself or your beloved and get some money back in your pocket. I know, it sounds way too good to be true, but cash rewards get paid a commission from retailers they partner with, and then they share that with you for you to withdraw from your bank or PayPal account. You can get up to 40% of your cash back when you sign up for free to join myself and a million other Aussies who are already getting cash rewards. So your kind of more recent chapter has obviously been becoming a mum to Mia and Isaac. What has motherhood changed for you? How has that added new depth or new perspectives to your journey? And I want to wrap that up in the sort of entry into the next section, which is the NATA, which is really the challenges we've kind of touched on, you know, quite a few of them, but 
we've mentioned briefly self-doubt, but also comparison and in an increasingly saturated market that's very digital focused where all details of all our lives are in each other's faces all the time. I think comparison becomes, and for new mums in particular, a very, very difficult area to navigate as you're dealing with the changes in your lifestyle and your pace and your body and your responsibilities. So, you know, how is that all interacted in motherhood <laughs> in your next chapter. Yeah. I think it's made it more important for me to to be real, which I have been for many years now, but it's even more important and to be to practice what I preach, which I do. What you see online is exactly how I am in real life. But I'm I'm always conscious of how I talk, how what I'm talking about like with my body. So mm. having my daughter around me even at a young age, they absorb so much and if I ever say anything like to my partner, Deck, do I look, you know, do I look okay in this or is my tummy too fat or anything like that? I don't want her to hear it, mm-hmm. you know. I'm, I'm just really conscious of the, that sort of stuff. So I want her to be free to be herself. I want her to be confident in herself and not be focused on perfection, which I was for many years. I thought per- perfection existed and I was always chasing this goal that was completely unattainable and it was horrible and it sets you up for failure. But I'm teaching everything that I guess I learnt through the – hard way. Not that there's anything wrong with working through it and going through all the hard things because you really do learn as long as you do learn from it. But hopefully she won't have to go through a lot of the things I went through, especially with depression and being suicidal and things like that. Um, Just teaching her as as much as I can and also about comparison as well, which is huge for me, which I I went through myself. I always used to compare myself. And um, yeah, having confidence in yourself and and self-belief another thing that I struggled with and I still have days where I feel like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough for this. Like it was always something, it was always along those lines, I'm not good enough. That was something I always used to tell myself or tell other people and I stopped doing that. So being conscious of your words, what you're thinking, just so much stuff that I've learned, especially about mental health and um, and your thoughts and taking control of it and then being more positive and having, practicing gratitude and all these things. I'm, I'm, even now, just starting with my three-year-old, trying to teach her so that hopefully she doesn't go through yeah. all that stuff. I could go on forever because there's so much to talk about with no, this topic. No, but- I love how passionate you are about, you know, I feel like it's something you've been very vocal about and the message is really getting through, even to people like myself who haven't had children yet. I'm keeping all these at the bank for, you know, when that yeah. chapter of our life does begin. It's, you know, how passionate you are about non-comparison and being, you know, a big figure on a platform that makes that very difficult sometimes. Yeah. It is so important to have the right strategies and barriers because I feel like there's no area like early motherhood where people will judge what you do and also oh, yeah. tell you about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like people comment on each other's lives all the time anyway, oh. but if you're ever going to get like viciously passionate hatred or comments just on what you're doing you know I feel like early motherhood every mum kind of feels like they can comment on what everyone else is doing and oh yeah (laughs) and they're all experts I know you're really passionate (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I know you know you're really passionate about not judging each other and you know I understand people often it comes out of care and concern but I love that you've been very vocal about the non-judgment of everyone's postpartum journey it looks different early motherhood yeah. and parenting and in general you know so what are some of the strategies from a practical sense that have helped you like you probably get a thousand percent the commentary and trolling than the average mum would who's not on social media so how do you build walls up to keep that kind of comparison or mum guilt or constant questioning of like am I doing the right thing how do you keep that in check yeah it's it's hard because um being a natural doubter I used to always doubt myself and and I still do and it's something I have to stay on top of I always think that I'm I'm wrong and everyone else is right and I start panicking panicking, be good if I could speak, panicking about it. And I think, oh no, I've got to do this. And my partner's like, what are you doing, Em? Even with fitness stuff, like I'm an expert. I've been doing this for many years now and I will question myself, but I think it's good because at least I go on research and work out whether what I'm doing is correct. And I'm always updating my knowledge, Mm. but always second guessing myself. It's something that I, I seem to do a lot. So I, I always work on it now. And, um, and having confidence in in what I'm doing as a parent because I know what's best for my kids and my doctors, of course, you know, well, they're doctors, actual (laughs) experts, not just people who think they're experts, but they don't know everything. So because I think it's one of the negatives, I guess, and there's many negatives about social media, but putting so much out there 
you're susceptible to getting all this judgment and criticisms, which is really difficult to deal with. But you've got to go, okay, well, are, are they coming? Is it, is it valid? Is that something that they they are genuinely are they genuinely trying to help you? And do they know what they're talking about? And do I know better? Or are they just doing it because they they want to criticise and be nasty, which a lot of the time they do. I've had people tell me when I was pregnant, oh, I hope your baby dies and horrible <gasps> things like this. Like I've had the most awful things said to me and I don't know how or where it comes from, but it must be from a place of pain, clearly. Um, but dealing with that is really hard and you've got to go and say, okay, well, they're not they're not in my life. They're not, they don't know me and I don't care about what they think of me and their opinions because they're not experts in that field, whatever it is, and they don't truly care about me. It's not from a place of love. So constructive criticism is when it's from a place of love, someone truly cares about you or they are actually experts in it. Otherwise, the rest of the opinions and and comments and everything, you don't need to take it on. And I've actually got to practice removing it. I visualise and do – I have a process of what I go through like when I'm getting – hate or, or opinions and it's getting I, I get overwhelmed very easily so when mm. I'm getting to that point I, I do these things and some of it is practicing um, breathing properly and meditating and training and but I visualize when someone's throwing a hateful comment to me or something that makes me feel anxious it attaches to me so it's like all these people are attaching to me on this like big string or whatever and um, and then I visualize cutting them and then throwing it away and, I, and just doing that process makes me feel free. And I go, oh, wow. I don't have to actually take that on. I don't have to actually own that. It doesn't mean anything. It's just their opinions. It's like buttholes, everyone's got one, right? Their opinions. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, send it away. But you don't have to, like, take it on as, as like, it's real. It's not. It doesn't mean anything. So everyone has their own way of dealing with things and they can find whatever works for them. But that's something that works for me and it really does help visualising that. I really like that concept of triaging as well, making sure you do kind of look at them all and separate the ones that are coming from a place of love from the ones that aren't because it is important to be able to take constructive feedback when it's helpful and if it is coming from a place of love. But you do have to, yeah, distinguish those from the ones that aren't. And I think people really do forget that there's a person on the other end. And because when the numbers get into the millions, like 14 million, your community, I think they can disconnect from you as a human, like that they would see on the street and forget that even if it's stupid and even if it's not valid, of course, of course, you know, it's stupid, but it still hurts. It still hurts. Yeah, absolutely. Of course you agonise over it. It's yeah. so natural. You know what they say? They say, well, you put yourself out there so you should, you know, be prepared for this. Yeah, okay. Well, I choose to put myself out there, but nobody should put up with um, various forms of, I guess, bullying and criticisms and things like that. No one should put up with that and they really need to be responsible for their words because words have power. Absolutely. And I guess it's always going to happen, but that's another thing I'm going to teach my kids too. <laughs> All of this that we're talking about. That not to, you know, take on what people say as as being the truth because it's not mm. and, and being really confident in yourself and, and having armour as well, you know, metaphorically <laughs> speaking. I <laughs> love that. And those visualisations also really help if anyone's listening and looking for practical tips. Visualisation is so oh. powerful yeah. and it's so true. Deep breaths. That, yeah. People do often excuse it by saying, well, you put yourself out there. And I absolutely believe that putting so much content of our lives out there does mean we have to be ready for scrutiny, but that scrutiny is different to just outright bullying. It's nothing excuses that no matter what people put yeah. out there, but especially not if you're putting out things to help other people. Yeah. You know, I just think, Nothing excuses behaviour like that, mm. As, you know, especially well, their intention out of it. <laughs> oh, their only intention is to hurt. So it's not to help, it's to hurt, and that's the complete wrong way to go about it. So we don't need to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, they say it and it hurts, but then you go, okay, not listening. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Just put on your armour. <laughs> exactly. So the last section is play to yay, which I, um, again, everyone listening have read your survey answers and know that I always leave this to last and don't leave enough time for it. So I've left a little more time than usual. And it's actually my favorite section where we strip back all of the productive mum, Emily, trainer, Emily, app owner, Emily, you know, Emily, owner of James Cosmetics, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite eye masks <laughs> that I was wearing literally last night and today with so much going on, you know, it's, it's just so hard to remember that 
that we have an identity that's just joyful, that's, yeah. you know, what you want to do when you have nothing else to do and we never have nothing else to do. So <laughs> we have to artificially create those moments in our life. But if you don't, you know, you're not here to just work and die. And yes. as you mentioned, even if you love your job, you're still working and you still need time away from it, even if you love every minute of it. So yeah. how do you play? What are the things that you do, you know, if you do make time for that are just like downtime, just brain off? Yeah. Like they can be as stupid or as fun or as childlike as you want. And <laughs> I think this is where we let the inner child come out. They're usually pretty juvenile yeah. childlike I'm, activities. <laughs> I'm very immature and I hold on to my immaturity because I love it. I love being free and I love um, now that I have kids that I can actually go back into that, like tap into my childhood again and maybe even do things that I never got to do. But I love playing. I love doing puzzles. Actually, every every day, almost every day, I'll do a puzzle with my daughter, my three-year-old. And I find doing the puzzle so therapeutic and it's so good because you're not on the TV, you're not on the phone, not on the computer. I've actually made a deliberate effort to not be on it so much. I get on, do what I need to, and I put the phone down. I don't need to be on there. I don't need to re- read people's responses anymore. Sometimes I'll skim through just to get feedback because feedback's important, but I generally have a, a good idea of what I'm doing now because it's been so many years, but I just don't <laughs> linger on there. I don't need to scroll. I don't need to go and look at other people's things. Just get off it, put it down. And my daughter actually, um, a while ago, it was a few months ago, and it was in a time where I was, I was working on um, the business. It's and it's always I'm always working on the business, but I was really you know every hour basically doing something and I was working on my phone and and me my daughter comes up and she and she goes no and she grabs it and she's like no and I went yeah you're oh, right wow. I'm putting it down because you're more important <laughs> and I went remember this Em and you don't want her to grow up having memories of this phone between us yeah so I always put it down now I'm not even on it I'm barely ever now it's it's so amazing and it makes me feel so good because I was getting really overwhelmed I take on everything I'm a really sensitive person and I care about everyone and everyone's always messaging with their problems which is terrible but I can't help everyone mm. I gotta make sure myself is taken care of my family I can't help everyone and that's okay but I feel like I need to so that's something that I've done and put into practice to make sure that I'm not getting overwhelmed. So I do the puzzles. I dance with my daughter badly because I'm a terrible dancer. If anyone's followed me, <laughs> um, I post a lot of my bad dancing. <laughs> it's even in the program, actually. It's as as like it's cool downs and warm ups and stuff in the program. Me dancing really badly. So if anyone, oh my god, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So even in the programs, like me being real, but uh, what else do I do? Swim in the pool. I get outside and play. I do crafts. I. I paint with my daughter, just anything that, that I have fun and, and makes me laugh, makes me feel good. I even love going to those kids' play places with the, you know, the slides and the little balls and all that stuff going on. <laughs> I want to go for me. And my partner's like, oh, you're not taking Mia there for her. You want to go. And I'm like, yeah, but she gets to, you know, enjoy it as well. <laughs> but I love that. And I, and I don't think people should hold back. Um, there's a time to be mature, of course, but I don't think we should really I think we're sort of, for whatever reason, we feel like or we're taught to that we can't be like that. You know, we've got to be serious all the time, but we really need to have fun and play. And it is so important for our mental health and and for your family. Absolutely. Yeah. That was like my biggest breakthrough when I first moved into Match Maiden was, you know, I went from corporate to health and thought, you know, I was going to be the picture of health because I ate a broccoli and did yoga and <laughs> went to spin and I had no joy. There was no just playing to let out you know let off steam and no just free play I could I couldn't be silly and even when I submitted the book proposal for Seize the Yay the publisher was like do you want to use Yay like isn't it a little bit juvenile and I was like that's why I want to use it to counteract the seriousness of everything in life and how we're so adult and responsibility focused and it's very hard for people like us to not be productive and not use our time usefully all the time and I've had to almost practice integrating downtime into my life, which sounds yes. so confusing. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. I had to do it too because you feel like, no, I've got to be doing this. There's always there's always something to do. There's always, if you've got a business, there is always work to do. But you've got to go, do I want to reach 90 or whatever and go, did I enjoy that? Like I had these business and I did this and that, but did I enjoy the process there? So you've got to have playtime. You've got to have downtime. And something I really want to add as well is when you have a goal, it's you don't think that when you reach that goal, you're going to be happy automatically. Oh, I think the happiness yes. is in the process getting there. So when you break it down and you and you and, and it's a journey to getting there, you've got to find joy in it. 
Because if you don't, don't bother. Absolutely. Not that it's not, you know, there's times of being, it's hard and you're like, oh, this is a drainer, but you've got to find those moments. Yeah. I always do that with everything I do. I agree with that so much. And I think when you do become really destination focused, the problem with that is then you get to the destination and you're like, well, now what what now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like you're never happy with it because there's always this static place. And if you're not enjoying any of the journey, I do think that's the people that end up at 90 and go, well, you know, what did I enjoy? I didn't enjoy any of that. What was the point of it all? And exactly. No one's ever going to look back and think, I wish I had less fun. Yes. Like, I just don't think anyone has ever thought that in their life. You know, I wish I yeah. enjoyed myself less than I did. Well, people say, I wish I had more time, but time for what? So make use of your time doing the things that you enjoy more. And I also find that if I do take time to play, I'm so much yep. better in my mind then when I go back to work and I'm yep. actually faster yeah. at everything because I'm more motivated. Totally. I'm, I'm less jaded. And I think that's what balance is. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that I think is so wonderful with James Cosmetics, one of your other businesses of the many, many amazing things (laughs) that you're doing, is encouraging us this year to put aside 20 minutes for you twice a week. You know, it's not an overwhelming every day for an hour kind of thing. It's, you know, just a realistic amount of time that's an easy appointment for us to put in our calendars and, and just, you know, set it aside for ourselves. Exactly. And you've got to make an appointment. I put it in my calendar. I literally... As soon as I saw the wellness campaign, I put it in my calendar in the yep. same colour as a meeting because otherwise I'll just, you know. Exactly. And you're not you're not going to let, like if you have a diary, and I say this with training as well, make appointments with yourself and don't let yourself down because would you f- let your friend down? Hopefully not. Or, or a business person or whatever. Like <laughs> you, you don't want to let them down. Don't let yourself da- down. Why not have yourself you know, on the same sort of thing in the same category? Don't let yourself down. And because you're a much better person to everyone else when you're you're happy and you're doing these things for yourself. But practicing self-care is something that I have really had to start working on. Just like you were saying, like it starts slow and you work into it, but you've got to set that time aside mm. weekly, if not daily, even if it's five minutes. Even when I'm flat out, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, because you get erratic and then you can't, you're not very efficient or effective <laughs> at, at your work, you've got to actually just stop. And I will, I stop, I close my eyes wherever I am and I work on deep breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, bringing that air into my diaphragm rather than it being in the, your chest because that's that's an anxious kind of breathing. Bring it, slow it down and bring it down low and do even a minute of that can make a difference. So you can start at a minute and work your way up. It's really nothing. Even while you're sitting on the toilet, you could do it. <laughs> you can do it anywhere. <laughs> and I have to just remind myself, you know, like I'm not a heart surgeon. Yes. You know, there's no scenario in my life in which I don't have a minute. There's no possible situation where I can't take one minute to just pause and breathe. Nothing is going to happen. No one's going to die. The world is not going to fall down around me. Exactly. Even if I take five or 10 minutes, you know, and if we're really getting strict on what urgency actually means, nothing in my life is actually urgent in the world. It really isn't. No, it really isn't. (laughs) Yeah. And I think um, because I don't do um, the traditional kind of meditation, like I find it really hard to sit still and do it. But I just started with practicing breathing and just focusing on my breath. And it's as simple as that. Mm. So you don't have to be sort of, um, I don't know, scared of it or whatever and and think, oh, I can't do that. You can do it, but just start slowly, just like your exercise. Oh, totally. Oh, my gosh. You are so wonderful. (laughs) You're wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that also comes through very clearly is the level of self-awareness that you have over knowing when you're overwhelmed and then knowing immediately what to do about it. And I think that's the key to any kind of joy is knowing your patterns and your strategies and Mm -hmm. yes, taking ideas and inspiration from other people. But until you experiment with your own body and your own brain, yeah, I think we just really need to tweak and tailor our systems to, you know, how we react to things. And I love how you're very aware of what such, you know, certain situations do to you and how to counter it. I think that's so inspiring. Sometimes, sometimes I let it go too far and I'm like, oh, Am I overwhelmed? Really? Because it's like, <gasps> yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a catastrophizer. I, I think everything's just the worst and there's so much happening because my mind never stops. And you, you might be the same. Creative people are usually like it. You never stop and it's just like, and you just got to stop. And that's why I go, all right, time to stop. Let's breathe and just focus on the breath. And that's it. And I feel like, oh, it's not so bad. (laughs) I'm still alive. Oh, my gosh, the world is still turning. Wow. (laughs) So just to finish up, what are three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation and haven't yet come up in this conversation? 
Uh, something interesting I was thinking about the other day. I've been exercising for 11 years now and I actually became qualified when I was 18 or 19, but I kind of had you know time off doing that. But um, I've been training for a long time. And every time I go to the gym, I'm nervous before I train. And I mean like <sighs> butterflies, I can't wow. breathe properly. And I tell my partner, Deck, in the car on the way, I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And he's like, why are you nervous? And I was like, because I know it's going to be hard because I train hard. Yeah. But I get nervous every time. And I used to think, I was weird and something was wrong with me, but I embrace it because I say to my partner, Deck, it makes me train harder. Like it's the way I function. It gets my body, you know, pumping with blood because I used to do um, sprinting when I was at school and I used to get incredibly nervous before a race. I'd be vomiting and shaking and carrying on, but it gets the adrenaline <gasps> going and I can go wow. fast. <laughs> yeah, so I just go, yeah, it's just oh, part of yeah, the way wow. I am and it's cool. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's... That's one. Then there's another so- that's something that's fascinating. weird. Yeah. So if people get nervous, it's, um, yeah, that's totally fine. You'll probably smash it in the gym. So that's good. Another thing that's, <laughs> I guess, weird. I have a, um, a phobia of dry feet, my, my <gasps> own dry feet. So, <laughs> and I know this is weird and I, I'm the biggest weirdo ever, like that you could ever meet. But I cannot <laughs> Babe, stand. I give you a run for your money. Getting into bed and having dry feet. Touching the sheets, I get shivers. Like it's like the chalkboard, the the nails on the chalkboard <laughs> thing. I get shivers, and I can't handle it. And what I've got. What do you to... mean by dry? Like not moisturized? Yes. So I have to have moisturizer on oh. my feet. But it's it's worse than what you think. Like if I get up to go to the toilet and get back into bed, I put moisturizer back on my feet. I can't stand it. <laughs> and, <laughs> weird, right? Oh but gosh. my partner Dex, like you, you are so weird. Oh, we all yeah. have one. What else is really weird? <laughs> we all have those weird things. And I feel like finishing off with these every episode is just, you know, I'm always in hysterics because they're just so good. And that's the stuff that, you know, people who don't live with you, they don't know these little quirks. So I just love sharing them yeah. because they're so funny. And they remind everyone that we're all human. We all have weird things that we just yeah. we just have to do to feel oh, normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's fine. Like, And I love that yours is just like moisturizer. <laughs> <laughs> I used to carry it around because I don't like my hands either but they're not as bad as feet but I usually I've sort of overcome my hands a little bit because I thought I can do anything I'm going to overcome this so my I started with my hands and now they don't need to be always so moisturized my my, my feet I still haven't overcome that yet so it's progress <laughs> but I, I might get there what if your partner's feet are dry does he have to do it too well, he doesn't really like, what if he gets in there mm, he doesn't really touch me because if I put my foot on him he's like get your foot off <laughs> He doesn't like it, my foot touching. And I used to say to him, I like I like it touching you. It's like my anchor and it makes me feel comforted. And he's like, oh, I can't stand it. So it's one thing we don't really Maybe because get you along wipe with. moisturizer on him. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's just Probably. moisturized from the feet. I think I kind of, I might gouge him like with my toes and he doesn't like that. You know, the, my toes. Yeah. Oh, what's another thing? Um, I can do the, um, the matrix move, you know, the limbo type matrix <gasps> back thing. Ooh. I can do that. So that's, that's a cool thing. So it's not all bad and weird. That's a party trick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We like party tricks. Yeah. I've got heaps of weird ones. I can't really think. Oh, oh, I once um, tried to bleach my teeth with actual bleach when I was a kid. Is that weird? Uh, oh my stung. god! Did you get really sick? No, I was all right because I put I got Glad wrap and put it on. Oh, at least yeah. you. Oh, that's really clever. <laughs> Something else I used to do really. Oh, I used to do um, weird things like dye my own hair and I'd get food coloring. Oh, I I used to bleach my hair because I had blonde hair when I was young and I used to streak it myself and it used to go really orange. So I'd get food dye, <laughs> blue and red, and I'd make purple and make my own toner. Oh like my god! I used god. to do all this weird stuff. No, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh what a crafty woman. Oh, there's so many of those. But I yeah. love that. I'm strange. <laughs> I'm inventative. Is that the word? No, strange is the best. Strange is good. Strange are yeah. my people, you know. I think once you get to the point in your life where you just embrace how weird you are, yes. you know. <laughs> I think that's what's changed a lot with having kids as well. I'm more weird now and I embrace it and I just don't care. And people will say things like I do my stupid dancing online and they're like, oh, embarrassing or awkward. And I say, look, I hope you have, you know, a chance to be yourself and you, you, you're you confident enough to do it and you feel, you know, you don't hide yourself mm. is what I'm trying to say. Like I hope, I hope that people actually, and it's usually people that feel uncomfortable with it because they don't do let that. themselves yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> but you've just got to be yourself. Who cares? And the right people will stick around. The ones that aren't right will go and who cares see you later <laughs> absolutely they clearly need some more platier right there oh i know <laughs> and since i love quotes so much what is your favorite quote oh um what's that quote called i'm just asking lang because i keep forgetting the name the, the um the one of the, the brene brown says 
It's not the, the man who stumbles or who, um, the, the doer of deeds. You know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know the one you're talking it's about. It's really long. I couldn't say it it's, off the top of my head, the, though. The, the man in the arena, and it's it's basically saying that if you're not out in the arena getting your ass kicked, then you don't have – it goes along with the whole criticism thing. So everyone's in the arena mm. watching you, and if you're not putting yourself out there and, and not just hiding away from the world, you're just taking a step out and taking risks, then you're going to get – criticise and you got to have people say all these different things. But if you're not in the arena too getting your ass kicked, then shut up basically is what I get from it and I love that. <laughs> I actually prefer your translation of it. <laughs> it's probably not even right but it's what I get. Everyone gets what they need. Right? Oh, do you want me to read it to you quickly? Yes, please. It's a shortened version so it's by Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. And that's the shortened version. But go and have a look at the long one. Oh, no, but it has to go <laughs> really with your good. commentary. I really like that. I'll put the quote there yeah. and then your little interpretation. Something, I love that. Something <laughs> else, and I, I know we've been going on, but something else I really want to add to that is it goes along with the, the arena thing. When you're in the arena, meaning you've stepped out into the world and you're doing what you want to do, be prepared to get criticisms from people. But you've got to have in the arena, you've got to have the people sitting there who, like the critics, the ones that are going to be negative, sitting up in the corner. Then you have everyone else. You've got some other people who might love what you do. And then you've got to have the people who actually mean something to you, the ones that truly care and love you, like your family. They have to be sitting there too. And you've got to listen to their opinions first. And not just always be going towards the ones who are the negative ones, because as humans, we we always focus on that for whatever reason. Mm. But you've got to be prepared for all of them and all and have them there ready. So before I'd go on TV or do something that I was afraid of, I'd imagine the arena and everyone in there and and my message and getting my message across and why I want to get it across that it's going to help people. I focus on that. I'd be prepared for the negative people, and I know that my loved ones and the people who really care for me are out there too and I need to listen to them first. So I don't know if that makes sense but that's something I always focus on. (laughs) No, absolutely. I love that. Just one of the many, many pearls of wisdom that you shared with us today. Thank you so much. (laughs) No, I love it and I'm the same. We could have just, you know, we could have gone full Joe Rogan and done like a four-hour episode. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I totally would. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much. Congratulations. People would be sick of me. (laughs) Not at all. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> oh, congratulations on the new postnatal program. I'll make sure to include a link to the trials. Thank you so, so much again. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I loved it. What a woman, right? I feel so lucky every week to be able to have these conversations because you just can't convey this kind of depth about a person in the compressed world of social media. So if you ever skated past Emily's page and didn't look further, I hope you enjoyed getting to know her a bit more as much as I did. She has also so generously given the neighborhood a code for a one month free trial of her app, including the new postnatal program, but also all of her programs. Just use C the yay no spaces between the 1st and 15th of Feb and if you enjoyed as always be a good bloke and share the app tagging at Emily Skyfit and myself so we can reshare and keep growing the yayborhood I hope you've been letting the new yays of our live segment marinate too and if you haven't sent over your thoughts and requests and want to weigh in just send me a DM at any time hope you're having an amazing week and a seizing your yay